Hey everyone, I'm Phil Pringle. Thanks for jumping on the C3 Church Global podcast again this week. I know you're going to be inspired and uh, blessed. It's always such a joy to be sharing the Word of God. Thanks for jumping on and uh, love you to hit that subscribe button. As we're in these crazy times in the world today, we need guiding light like we've never needed before to navigate all the challenging and difficult circumstances that, uh, and there's a lot of them, right? And so I'm praying that you'll find guidance, help, strength, and courage in this message today. God bless you. I want to start out by saying uh, in the church world, there are far too many leaders who are stuck. Far too many churches that are stuck, and mostly because of indecision or because a decision just hasn't been made. All of us would be aware of people who once were like, had momentum. They were really going places as individuals. Some of us would know ministries that were, they were just rocking. And we know churches that were the focal point of a nation. Uh, whole denominations that were mobilized and taking the world. But as time passed, we have seen too many that today don't have it. Today are not moving. Today are going backwards, it would seem. And very few that keep on moving forwards. And so this session is so important because it relates to making decisions fresh decisions. As you go away from this video today, I would be praying that you would start something new or you'd stop something or you would actually make a decision about something that you've been putting off for too long. And one of the most difficult things that leaders have to do is to make difficult decisions. Often they are very confronting decisions uh, with people who occupy positions and we've got to make a decision to move them on or to deal with it in some way. And if we're avoiding those and moving away from conflict, that is one of the worst ways that we can be exercising our leadership. And that will definitely get us stuck in a difficult situation. In my world, uh, I make just big decisions uh, the 10% of the big ones. That's pretty much the decisions I make. Then my team would, with me in team settings, would make collaborative decisions. And that would be about 40%. 50% of the decisions made around here are made by others that I have delegated that responsibility to. In the beginning, it wasn't like that. I made all the decisions. When the church is small, 30, 50, 100 people, 150, you can pretty well cover off on all the decisions, but there comes a point where you've got to start delegating. Uh, my first experience in delegating was, was, uh, was not great in, in some ways. I, I, as I said, in our little church of whatever, 30 people, I was the worship leader, played the guitar. I was give the offering word, take up the offering, and before the church started, I'd put out all the chairs, open up the room, open the windows. And then after the offering, I'd give the announcements, after the announcement, I'd preach, have the altar call, whatever. And then at the end of church, shake everybody's hand on the way out, put away the chairs. I mean, I was doing everything. 
One of the particular Sunday mornings I was leading worship, the Lord spoke to me, said, time to finish leading worship. I said, I don't want to finish leading worship. I love leading worship. It's, I like playing the guitar. Who in this room could do it? That was my initial objection. And he said, well, this young girl, she'll be great. Her name was Melva and a beautiful young lady who played the guitar, kind of, I thought. And uh, so I said, hey, Melva, do you want to lead this song? And I, I gave it to her and I thought, Lord, I don't know if you've heard Melva, how she plays the guitar, but I, I don't think this is going to be great. So Melva played the song and it, in my view, it wasn't well done at all. But everybody started worshiping. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. And then the next song, I said, I don't think you know this song. I'll play this song. And I started playing it and nobody was worshiping. It was dead. It was completely hopeless. So I gave it back to her. And that was my very first lesson in delegation because I found that God wanted to actually release and mobilize and, and get other people in the body of Christ operational. And the task of the leader is to actually position people for success, train them in their calling, uh, inspire them to serve in the house. And that began a whole process of delegation. I started studying delegation in the scripture and, uh, and felt like I was doing all right in that area until we were in Sydney and I was delegating out all kinds of jobs to, to people. But then uh, it came to delegating conflict. And that was one area where I had real confidence that I could bring peace to any situation that had a lot of conflict in it. I could bring resolve. I felt confident in me, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in other people. And I thought I had five situations, terrible situations happening in our congregation, in our church that were going to be too much for me. I was on the edge of breaking down, uh, found myself weeping too easily, just feeling a little edgy emotionally. Uh, and, and I thought, man, I'm carrying way too much right now. I need to give one of these five areas of conflict away. One of them, we had a pastor who was uh, being investigated. He was on television. It was terrible public situation. Another circumstance where um, uh, they, they were all just very bad. Somebody, a missionary had been killed in a jail in the Philippines and the parents were wanting to, and that was also publicly on television. Uh, then we had our building process. It was being defeated again and again on a very public way. Front page news, 40,000 people signing petitions against us having a church, et cetera, et cetera, in this particular area. And, uh, and then just terrible circumstances that I was trying to look after all these problems. In the end, I gave one away. And I, to my surprise, these people fixed it. They, they made it go away. It was all okay. Another problem I gave away, there was one particular problem I was so nervous about because it was to do with a, a young child and it was to do with all kinds of terrible accusations. And, and in the end, I said, okay, I'm going to give it to not just one guy, I gave it to two pastors. I said, please look after this and be, 
be very, very good at how you do it, and uh, and we'll pray about it, and etc. So, to my to my amazement, they brought a, a great solution to it. Over in Exodus, when Moses has got a battle going on in the valley, he delegates the selection of personnel and the fighting of the battle to his general. His name is Joshua. And he says to Joshua, choose men who will go out for us and fight for us. And, And so Moses only had to choose one person to deal with the conflict in the valley below. Moses himself was a military commander. He was noted in Egypt for being a genius in military campaigns. So it would have been very easy for Moses to go down into that valley and engage in the battle. But he knew his position was to go up that mountain and pray to hold up the rod before God because every time he held it up, the battle in in the valley below swung to the victory of the Israelites. But when he got tired and let it down, it went to the Amalekites. They got defeated. So he knew his role was to stand on that mountain and provide spiritual covering for everybody below. And therefore, he needed to delegate. Skip over into the New Testament, and you find that when the apostles have their first major problem in the church, not external persecution, but within the church, there is a a problem of racism. And uh, one particular race is being discriminated against the other as to who receives help from the church. The apostles were approached, come down and help us with this problem. And they said, no, we are meant to be giving ourselves to the word of God and prayer. We will select, and you, with you guys, we can all select together. So they not only delegated the selection, they delegated the decision-making process out to the people and to men. They said, choose seven men filled with the Holy Ghost. They gave the criteria, good men, men of faith, etc. And uh, so they selected these people and the problem was solved. And these people were released into leadership, into conflict solving, and the apostles were able to stay with what they were meant to do. Now, here's the problem. I believe many churches are stuck because pastors have not let go dealing with conflict or dealing with just general decision-making at various levels throughout their organization and have, in the process, forsaken a devotion to the Word of God and prayer. So when we are tempted to leave the spiritual oversight of our church and get involved in the management, so we go from leadership to management, we're going to find ourselves getting stuck. Our momentum will slow and decision-making processes will slow. We need to be making the big decisions that set the pace for where we're going as a congregation. The big decisions of the vision the big decisions as to the placement of key personalities. And then beyond that, they can choose who they look after. They can choose how they spend the money that we've budgeted for them to have in their department. And as long as they are achieving the goals uh, and the vision and are using all their resources for that end, we are fine with it because God is going to give them wisdom and strategies and a team to accomplish those goals. Decision-making 
is one of the most challenging things that you and I are going to be involved in. And it can be difficult because when you know that God is involved, you want to make sure that you're doing the will of God. And so that can increase our indecision if we let it. We need to be confident that the steps of a man, the steps of a woman are ordered by the Lord so that we take decisions, we take steps. And as we do that, we're being guided by God. If we are people of prayer, we're going to find ourselves as decision makers. James says, the person who doesn't make decisions is a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Let not that person think that they will receive anything from the Lord, uh, being unstable. And so being a decision maker is making up your mind. I think minds are unmade when we don't make great decisions. So understand this, the elements of a great decision are always going to include a level of risk. But risk is not necessarily reckless. Understand that. We need to have calculated risk. Big decisions, great decisions are always made on the basis, not of just faith, but intelligent faith. You believe you can do it because you've, you've calculated. We can do this. And it's not just a natural calculation. It's a spiritual calculation as well. But put the two together. Is this doable? Yes, we've done this much. We believe we can do this now. So we need to get educated in the area of our decision making. Number two, don't avoid making the decision. Putting off things, prevarication, procrastination, hesitation are all bad for the movement, the moving forward of, a, of, a, of an organization. Don't let anything prevent you from making some decisions. Good decisions are formed by giving adequate time. Don't make them in a hurry. Give enough time to the decision. Ponder it, but make it. Tough, big decisions are going to arrive on your desk all the time. Pray about it, meditate about it, but eventually take the step, even if you don't always have all the answers immediately. Abraham was told to leave his country and he left going to a land he didn't even know he was where he was going. So sometimes stepping out comes before we know what we're stepping out into. Don't run away or avoid actually making decisions. Step up to the position. Number three, as I said, don't rush the decision. Uh, the best discipline in decision making is to not have knee-jerk reactions to problems or whatever it is. And, and especially if you're inspired and you've got a lot of temperature about a particular passion in your life, that's not a good time to make an announcement. Let, let yourself cool. Jesus says, sit down before and, and calculate the building of the tower, the going to the war. Sit down, have a cool head and a hot heart. Don't get those two mixed up. Don't have a hot head and a cool heart. Remember, hearts move slowly, heads move quickly. And sometimes when we are inspired and we just blurt out something, we say, oh, we're going to have a uh, hundred thousand, whatever. Uh, your credibility with the people you're leading will diminish when you don't achieve that. So rather than getting them rolling their eyes, oh, here he goes again, uh, wait until you've cooled off and you've got an intelligent decision. Don't be pressured into making a quick decision by circumstance either. Just if, if like the devil's trying to set your agenda, say, whoa, let me just hold here and not respond in a hurry. 
Don't be pressured by the fear of man. Remember Saul, when people were leaving him and he started doing what only the priest should have done. He should have waited just another couple of hours. Make sure that you are doing something with complete confidence and faith on the inside of your heart. Another process by which good decisions are made is eliminating the, 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 the options. Put out 10 options. Say, well, that's not one, that's not one, or he's not the person, or she's not the one. That leaves these two, and then we can make a decision between the two. They used it in the book of Acts. They used it in the Old Testament, and uh, it still works today. There are far too many leaders stuck with indecision. We need to make fresh decisions that implement new momentum for us. Whether it's stopping something or starting something, nothing happens without us making those decisions. What decisions have you been putting off making? Hey guys, well, thanks again for listening in today. I love podcasts. They're such a convenient way of learning. Our cars can become a rolling university. We can listen to them while we're running along the beach. And I'd like you to consider increasing that learning by considering C3 College online. It's a accredited leadership and ministry college and it'll equip you for a life to serve God and to follow Christ. Visit c3college.com for more info. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you again next week on the C3 Church Global Podcast.